This episode is brought to you by Scobrookham Consulting. If your nonprofit needs branding and fundraising strategies to propel continued sustained growth, then you need the Cobra. Scott Cameron with Scobrookham Consulting. For a free consultation, email the Cobra Scott Cameron at Scott Cameron at gmail.com. That's Scott K A M M E R M A N at gmail.com. And put in the subject line, I need the Cobra. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Shema Podcast. I hope everyone had an amazing Pesach. I had not had an opportunity to sit down at this microphone and record an episode since. But I did come up with an idea over Hol Chomed that I wanted to discuss with you because, as you all know, we are in the counting of the Omer. And we're in this process of building ourselves up to receive the Torah once again at Shavuos. And one of the experiences I had that first day of Hol Chomed was just a total crash. I mean, I've never felt so unmotivated in my entire life. I had taken off from work in order to study, and I just felt so unmotivated. But at least now I'm getting a little wiser. I understand there's these cycles we go through. You know, we get this inspiration from Hashem during Pesach, and then we get to sort of cruise into Shabbos. And then after that, it just, we just, he drops us down. This is the same cycle the way the system got built 3,300 years ago when we left Egypt. Inspiration, letting Hashem show us this is the next level you can get to, and then dropping us down and saying, now build it up for yourself. I was looking around trying to identify something that would inspire me. I looked around and my eye caught this thick black book, and I kept looking around and I went and finally grabbed that book and saw it was The Anatomy of the Soul by Rabbi Nachman. And I was like, of course, Rabbi Nachman, he's, he's our coach in these matters. And I began to sort of go through and learn what I could learn to build myself the way Hashem wants me to and take advantage of this opportunity. One of the things I, I did recognize, though, is that when a Jew is in the game, you know, they're not sitting off in the bleachers in the seat watching the game. They're in the game. They're dedicating their life to going, growing closer to Hashem. I realize we're, we're all going through these same cycles together. So I reached out to my friend, Scott Camerman, a.k.a. the spiritual athlete, and now a.k.a. the Cobra, just to check in and see how he was doing. And we talked a lot about what we were going through, what we were doing to learn from this experience, and I decided to make an episode out of it. Totally unscripted, just getting together and talking about what we've been studying, what we've been learning, what we've been doing to take advantage of this process. So, Scott, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. Hey, great to be back with you, Dan. Okay, first, before we get started, I just have to find out what you think of this ad I did for you. And I will say, as you know, I have no formal training or education in the field of advertising. However, eight years ago, I did binge watch every episode of Mad Men. So what I did was I harnessed everything I learned from watching that show and a whole homed, so I didn't have to work. I had a couple of martinis for lunch and it worked. It just like flooded me with all this creativity. I came up with this advertising campaign for you. So what are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm not ever described as a man a few words. But I would say that at first, <laughs> first approach was the uh, first time I heard it, I, I got a little scared. Uh, you know, the, the, the cobra there, it's, it's, that's, that's legit. 
But uh, I have to say thank you. I thought I was incredibly creative. In fact, I didn't even get it at first. I'm like, well, the Scobra Cam, that's sort of, it's an acronym of my name. That's, it wasn't anything, you know, I really sort of thought of when I was putting it together. But you found the Cobra. You found the Cobra in the middle of it there. And I said, I think we were even talking about it. I said, how did you come up with the Cobra from Scobra Cam? Oh, wait. <laughs> so... I, I don't claim necessarily to be the brightest bulb sometimes when it's sitting right in front of me. But then when I heard when I heard about that, I thought, oh, look at what a what a smart guy. I mean, there's there's no there's no you're not a madman at all. You're, you're brilliant. <laughs> you brought that yeah. together. So uh, thank you so much. Actually, I th- I think it's uh, it's amazing. Someone who who appreciates creativity, you know, tries to bring that to the table himself. You know, I I, I think it's great. Thank you very much. All right, we'll see how it goes. I won't bill you until the money starts flooding in, and you're have to hire people to to come up with meeting all the demand for your services. But you know, I was thinking like here in, in Houston, there's this famous attorney, the Hammer. Like, who would not want to hire the Hammer? I was thinking, who would not want to hire someone to really come in and help out with their business development needs than the Cobra? It just sounds like an awesome someone who gets things done. Like to watch those, uh, you know, science shows where they see, you know, you have snakes and, you know, predators and everything like that. So I know what the sound of the Cobra makes. But, you know, I guess kind of hearing it and seeing it, there's two different things. But it's, it's, it's pretty intimidating there. So I'm, I'm much nicer. I'm much nicer. You are. You're the sweetest Cobra. I don't, want, I don't want it to convey that. We'll see how it goes. I, I'm not going to share where I got the Cobra noise from because they may want royalties. But <laughs> anyway, so one of the things that I was learning first from Rabbi Nachman is about the importance of being in a state of joy. Like, and he says, it's the hardest thing to do, but it's so important. And I was really contemplating this and I was studying this concept from him and really found two avenues to get there. And one is really what made me think of you actually and why I reached out to you that day. There, if you think about over the last, well, first year where I got this idea, I, I get all types of emails that come in. I can't read them all, Torah commentaries. I saw this one from Aish that touched on this subject. And a lot of the concepts were things I had read before. But it's interesting that you look back the last hundred years, the vast majority of all the greatest comedians are Jewish. You know, and I think the only one I wish was on our team was, and this is going to make me admit to my sophomore level that I'm on, but Will Farrell. But what the article went on to say was that it was discussing this commentary of Rabbi Hirsch. On the verse where the Jews are standing at the Sea of Reeds, Egyptians are coming, and they say, were there not enough you know, burial plots in Egypt to bury us in? And Rabbi Hirsch has an amazing commentary on this. He says, this is embedded in every Jew in our DNA to have wit and humor to deal with all the stresses that would come our way. Because what they're really doing is they're making a joke. They're being sarcastic. Moshe, was there not enough burial plots in Egypt to bury us in? It was a great, amazing insight. And, and there's something else. I, I think I've shared this with you before, but I didn't know the, the details. But there is a story of a rabbi, Rabbi Baroque, that was in a marketplace. Eliyahu, or Elijah, comes to visit him. And he says to Elijah, so is there anyone in this marketplace that has earned Olam Abah. And Elijah points these two men and Rabbi Baroque. He gets curious because they don't look like some Torah scholar with their demeanor, their dress. And he goes over and says, you know, what do you do for a living? Basically what we would call comedian today. And they say, well, yeah, we go around and we find fellow Jews that are not looking happy and, and joyful and we cheer them up. It's such a holy thing. And... You know, I, I know my proclivity is to be an introvert, to be constantly in contemplation, and which is, it's good to be like that, but it's also good to be present and engaged with the, the world around you. One of the things you're very good at is totally being present, engaged, and cheering people up with humor. So, you know, that's sometimes we need that external influence from each other, especially when we know we're in this, these cycles where we need some cheering up. But the, the other aspect of this is really just gratitude. Like it's such a basic concept in Judaism, but I, I just realized like it's not something I have proactively 
done recently. And I think that came up actually when I was talking with you that morning about just sort of, you know, when it comes to all the different things in your life, just being grateful for what you have instead of focusing on what you're lacking. When one has gratitude and one is grateful for blessings in their life, you take a moment back, it's easier to bring a smile to your face. This is what I found, especially I would say over the last year or so when I've really tried to do a lot of reflection. And, and actually, I mean, you mentioned Rabbi Nachman. I've really been reading a lot more with regard to Rabbi Nachman and his suggestions for living a, 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 a good God-fearing life and connections with Hashem. And the importance of, of being happy and being in the moment, being grateful, all the things which you were talking about. And one of the things that's so simple to do and without realizing it, we're not doing it a lot of times, and that is walking around with a smile. Our natural inclination a lot of times is just to be, maybe at best, have no expression. But if you try walking around, I'm not talking about weird. I'm not talking about like out of Batman, like a Joker or something like that, you know, where you got this, you know, carved in face. But just to focus and be in the moment when you're in the moment and be aware of the fact that you're smiling. If you're smiling, you automatically feel, at least I do some level of elevation and happiness. And that I found for myself when we're talking about uh, laughing and sort of uh, engaging with people and and having fun and trying to maybe make people laugh at at the moment in whatever circumstances that they're dealing with, including myself. It always begins actually first and foremost with a smile. But it's a process though. Pausing, especially at times when you're feeling the challenges of the Yetzirah to get upset. Take a step back and laugh at the fact, as I find myself doing now. I smile, I laugh at the fact, and I say, ah, there's the Yetzirah trying to get me upset. I automatically turn it around. I use that momentum, like a pendulum, and I let it swing back to automatically then put a smile on my face and say, ah, you almost got me, Yetzirah. And because I recognize that, I feel a sense of joy, which allows me to bring a smile to my face and helps kind of elevate my mood. This is something I've been working on myself over the last... I would say six months to a year in particular. It really culminated, though, with Pesach, Pesach being being the start of the new year. And in fact, every day when I was doing my davening, I was making sure to say to Hashem, Hashem, okay, it's the new year. I really want to up my amun. I want to, I want to up my being, being positive. My, I want to make sure to up my understanding that on, my daily, on a daily basis, everything that I'm doing, I'm putting in my histadlos. The rest, though, is up to you. I'm elevating it to you. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be angry. You're in control. And, you know, from there, it's, it's it, again, it's every day. It's working that amuna muscle because every day you have to. You can't. Uh, look, you're a, you're, a, you're a guy who was a, a good friend. Who I, we, we joke around about your amazing workout schedule and everything. And you know, because, and you really give 150%. We always talk about clanging and banging with, with Dan Coleman. I'm waiting for that to be the spinoff uh, uh, podcast here and everything. But, but I, I got to tell you that, you know, you know, you've got to be consistent um, uh, with that working out. You want to go maintain, maintain that muscle mass and, or, and increase. And so this is, that's the way I certainly have been thinking about it now myself. And as a result of all of these, these steps that I'm talking about is helped elevate my mood. And, and I think hopefully has put me in a situation where I find myself more joyful and at times uh, more silly as a result, playful silly. But it, to your point, it, it does. It brings me a great amount of joy to be able to be silly with people and bring and, and let people laugh, especially those who are maybe feeling a little bit down or, or frustrated. It, it, it it does. It's very, it's very satisfying uh, for myself and brings me a, a lot of joys. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, for, for one, changing your physiology, play Rabbi Nachman, all talking about where he would just get himself in a joyful mood. I read his biography and he, he was saying like he would just get up and start acting so goofy. I mean, he's like the greatest sodic that was in the world. And he would start acting so goofy, jumping around in order to get himself in a state. And but the, the truth is, is that, yeah, when you, when you put a smile on your face, your body's like, oh, I guess we're happy. And, the, and the, the emotions change in line with that. But the other thing is when you're focused on cheering someone else up, guess what? It cheers you up too. So uh, what he was referencing, by the way, with clanging and banging is Scott has had the great privilege, along with Rabbi Cohen, of staying in my guest room, which is right next door to my workout room. And being woken up to the pleasant noise of what Scott has... 110%, 110%, nothing less. It's, it's called clanging, banging. 
and he suggests I do a podcast where people just listen to me working out. I'm not seeing it. I think I'll just keep that special moment for you and Rabbi Cohen. Dan, you have a committed and uh, a committed fan base here for, for obvious reasons. You, you produce amazing podcasts that have a positive impact on people's lives. I, for one, am a big advocate, as I said, of effect. I don't think you need to do anything on this podcast. This is a secondary podcast there. Let's just bring the microphone in there when you're, and just, just let people hear, hear that, hear that exertion on daily, that daily exertion there. And I mean, I'll tell you right now, it'll either motivate them or scare them. One of the two there, something's going to happen out of the whole. Yeah. Something will happen. I don't know <laughs> something's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's a maniac. Yeah. Cause I, I, I hear. Okay. So back to what you're originally saying too, that morning when I crashed and burned, I went back and it looked at what thoughts I was thinking in the morning. And it shows it's like, and it's something I've been really working on too, is you have to be proactive with the thoughts you keep in your head, which is why you got to like be thinking about something tour related. Because if you don't, if you leave a vacuum, your answer all put stuff in there. So my thoughts, even though I was off from work, were about work and about the frustrations of the outcome. It was not going, you know, all the work we're putting in there. I'm just not getting the outcome I want, which is nonsensical because my, my mind was just running on autopilot, being driven really by my yetzer raw. And that's what was getting me just sort of frustrated and down. And then one of the things we talked about at the Pesach Seder together, Scott, was it's something I had read and something I knew I wanted to make sure I carried with me into this year. So I I spoke about it because speaking about something to other people is what creates DOS. It sort of integrates it. And it was about the the Seder plate. It's very interesting how the Seder plate, the way we had it arranged, was the way the Arizal says to arrange it, which is, all according to the Sephiros. And, you know, you have your, for those of you who are not familiar with it, the three matzahs represent Chachma, Wisdom, Bina, Understanding, and Das, Knowledge. And then you have these items on the Seder plate that represent the emotive qualities. You know, so the, the first three are, you have Chesed on your right side, Kindness, and then Den, Judgment on the left side. And the middle is Teferos, which can mean compassion when dealing with another person, meaning having that proper balance between both and our beauty really when we're dealing with ourselves. And it was interesting that the mora, the bitter herbs was where the beauty, the compassion was. You think that would be the din and the chorosis would be there for the, the, the compassion. But it was such a powerful idea that what Hashem is saying to us is that for one, what causes depression is when we have expectations that everything's just going to go smoothly in life. You know, that's not what this world is about. And it's really the most beautiful gift Hashem is giving us because the way we turn the mara, the bitter herbs, into herosis, which is really what we're in a zak is, it's, it's transforming it, is not through changing things around us, but changing how we perceive it. So I started thinking about work and realizing like, no, I don't control the outcome. But these experiences with my colleagues, I need to change how I'm looking at that. I need to minimize myself. There was arrogance there. It's like, why aren't you doing what I'm telling you to do? I had to minimize myself and show them respect. And, and the other thing Rabbi Nachman talked about is peace. All communication bring peace. And that's what happened last week. And it was everything's changed. Everything became sweet. Because even the ideas that was sort of hitting against a brick wall with them, I backed away and was just showing a lot of kavod to everyone I was on the phone with, making sure there was peace and harmony throughout the organization. And all of a sudden, those ideas sort of became, they began to understand. And they came forward to me with those ideas. So it's a beautiful idea. Now, to complete the Seder plate, after you make something, you have that victory and you transform it to sweetness. The next stage is whole, which is, which means basically then to recognize, don't forget that Hashem helped you transform it. Once those are all in balance and it's your sowed, it's your foundation and it, and it flows through. So that's one of the things that uh, I was able to put in place last week and sort of see it happen, which was a really cool idea. Uh, absolutely. And I agree hundred percent. And I'll tell you as well too, it's interesting. There was a speaker who I heard mentioned about the importance when we're going through life in any given moment too, and when we're having challenges, it's so important to make sure that we strive to get better, not bitter. And when we take the moment to really recognize, be in the moment, 
in the moment there. We have a tendency all the time to be thinking ahead, to be, uh, you know, dwelling on the past and worrying about the future and missing the, the, you know, the moment in which we're in. And yet all are connected, the past, the present, the future. What we've done in the past is affecting where we are right now. But what we're doing right now is affecting the future. The most important thing is to be in the moment, experiencing everything that's there, including, to your point, the things which which we perceive to be very clear, what, what we perceive as being something bad or bitter. But when we realize, of course, take a moment to, and this is something that Rabbi Nachman speaks about, I believe, as well, too. When we are suffering, in a sense, from whatever challenges we're facing, to take a moment to thank Hashem, to thank Hashem for our suffering, our, our challenges that we're having, it's a, it's a concept which has taken me a long time to grasp and to understand. Because when you're in pain, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, the last thing that most people want to do is take a step back and say, Hashem, thank you for what I'm dealing with right now. Thank you for giving this to me. But again, that goes hand in hand as well and with much of what you're saying with regard to our level of Amuna. When we get back and continue to get back to home base and realize that everything that Hashem is doing to happen to us is for our best. We don't know what's best for us. We think we do. And of course, we live in a society where everything is about do what feels right, do, you know, you know what's best. It's your life, it's your body, it's you, 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 my, 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 I, I, I. And this is, that's not what it's about. We understand that everything comes from Hashem. If it comes from Hashem who loves us more than we can possibly fathom, that if it's coming from Hashem, it's meant for our good. Our inability to understand that is what we then therefore claim as suffering and the challenge. But that's that's on us. It's not on Hashem. And so my own sort of epiphany that I would say I would have, really, that really, I've heard this message for years, but it finally, Baruch Hashem, it finally took root, I would say, a good six months to a year ago, maybe more like six months ago. And that's what I really find myself doing in those difficult times. And when I say Thank you, Hashem. It's the first step always to making myself feel better. And it's hard to explain. And it takes time to go. You know, everybody's looking for an instant cure these days, an instant pill, an instant something, instant. If if someone's feeling uncomfortable, they want to immediately make make it go away. They want everything to be perfect instead of experiencing where they are in the moment, the challenges that they're facing at home, at work, whatever it is, and realizing it all has one source and just, you know, when we take the time to go and realize what that source is, be thankful for it, it leads to a stronger, strengthen our bitachon, trust in Hashem, and helps us have a better perspective on where we're going. You think about the overall goal here is we're trying to continually elevate our consciousness, to have greater, you know, God consciousness, which means if you are saying, I want to go to a higher level, well, why would you think you're going to get to a higher level at the same place you are now? It means the Hashem saying is, I want you to come to the next level, but that means you need to change something about yourself to get that next level. That's why I'm orchestrating these situations around you in order to do that internal change within yourself to make that happen. And the challenge is interesting, and the, the challenges which Hashem gives us to go, to go and change Many times they end up getting harder along the way there, but that's that's part of the journey. Uh, you know, if you play uh, any sort of games or people play these uh, the video games, certainly when I was you know in the eighties and nineties when you had the different level of Pac Man, for example, right. starts off slow and everything gets faster and faster the way you go through. But that's but your score's going up. The every every level you pass, your score's getting higher and higher, and that's. That's what it's about because what would be the fun doing the same doing the same challenge over and over again? You're not getting any better. You're doing the same thing. And so with that, it's certainly for me, I've found even today, I got today, even, even this morning, something ended up happening and I could myself a year ago, I would have been, I would have been angry. I would have been just, I would have let it ruin my day, but with a new way of compartmentalizing, I would say a new way of compartmentalizing my thoughts with keeping Hashem in the thought process with regard to Emuna and understanding exactly where it is, it helps me. It's helped me big time to be able to therefore go and deal with it 
as I mentioned, take a step back, smile. And so I'm trying to get myself into a good pattern, a pattern of good behaviors to go challenge the Yetzirah because it's tough. It's it's not it's not supposed to be easy, and it's not going to be easy. We are we are here in life. We're going. Nobody's going to have a perfect life. Every single person has challenges. Every single person has suffering across the spectrum. Sometimes it's sometimes that that suffering is are, are things when it comes to job or not earning the money that we think we should be earning. Sometimes it's much worse than that. We have a family member, God forbid, that's in the hospital or something. But in anything and everything that we're doing, we are given Hashem out of his mercy and love of us has given us guidance for how to be able to go and live a life that is spiritually elevated and connected with him. It's just a matter of, do we have the time? Do we have the fortitude to be able to go and commit ourselves to taking the steps necessary to get there? And it's, it's not, it certainly is not easy because even being a Baal Teshuva, as I say, I, oh, I've been at Baal Teshuva, I'd say years ago, I saw I've been a Baal Teshuva for two years and three years. And now I'm at five years. I've been going through and it's wonderful to be able to go and to daven, and I know the services, I can, I can daven during Chagim, I can daven during Rosh Chodesh, whatever. That's wonderful, but, you know, adding new depth and understanding about what it is we're doing. I don't want, I think for too long, I may have been going through just the practices instead of understanding the, the deeper meaning of what, of why it is, you know, we're doing what we're doing. And it's interesting because, you know, Bali Teshuva, Gerim, those who obviously converted to Judaism, we have a propensity a lot of times to to work at this. It's it's we we we've been committing ourselves to this for a number of years, and or depending on how how long people are going. But I'll tell you, there are people who have been observant their whole life, and they'll be the first to go and admit as well too. Many times that it becomes even when you've been born into a life where your 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 daily existence, everything is about Hashem. It's still it's still something very 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 difficult, and so. Understanding that and realizing that it's difficult for everybody. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then we have all these cycles through the year. Know that we're all going through this together. I would tweak what you said. What Hashem wants us to understand is that our lives are perfect. The fact that we think they're not perfect is where is where we have to change right. our perspective. It's interesting. Like a couple of years ago, you mentioned video games. I, I did, uh, came across an article, and I actually got the sales guys together for a sales meeting. And discuss this idea that, you know, the video game industry is huge, a lot bigger now since we were playing in the 80s Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, right? It's a huge, multi, multi-billion dollar industry. And they really have broken down very scientifically what gets people into a game. And it's a certain level of resistance, but as their skill increases, they continue to put on the resistance and they call it, I forget the word for it, but it's like the sweet spot where it's like... As the skill grows, the game gets more difficult because no one wants to play if there's no resistance, there's no challenge. So in the video game world where the Yetzirah is like, go for it, he backs off. And then we love having constant challenges in our life. So Hashem's telling us, I was like, pay socks there to say like, the challenges are good. They're beautiful. You're going to grow to the next level as a result of that. There was something I started to share with you a little bit that I'm going to share with the audience. I'm always transparent with you guys. But it was something that I was really thinking when I was like going through like gratitude, something I was entirely thankful for and something I, I know it's extremely important to all of us. But it was this experience, I call it a blessing, I got from Rabbi Yacobian. And so before I say this, you have to understand Rabbi Yacobian. If you go back to Avraham, you know, the, the reason we're riding on his coattails, the reason we start with Shimon Esrei and, and say, thank you for bringing nepotism into the world. I am unworthy to be your servant, but remember, I'm a descendant of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yokov, right? What made him the progenitor the, to, to lead God's emissaries in this world through his descendants was that his natural inclination was to be kindness. And he had Hashem tell him, I am going to give you all these descendants. And then he gets a instruction from Hashem to kill his son. So it's like, for one, it doesn't make any logical sense. And two, it's going entire opposite way from the, no- the way he normally is. But because he was able to change his emotional aspect and, and say, I don't understand why you would be asking me to do this, but you told me to, so I'm going to do it. That's what gave him the merit. 
That was like the, the, the 10th test. So I say it's about Rabbi Yacobian. Rabbi Yacobian, when my wife came into the program to go through the conversion, we were sitting with the base den, and Rabbi Yacobian starts just beating up on me. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm already Jewish. I don't think you understand that. And I pointed to my wife. She's the one going through the conversion. Beat up on her. And what he said was, I am not going to give her a Jewish neshama and put her in your care until I know that you are a worthy custodian. And the meetings we would have, you know, through the conversion were, were so helpful. One of the things he kept ingraining in me was, he would say, so why do we keep Shabbos? And I would say, well, Hashem is the creator. and We want to remember that we're not the creator, that we're creation. And, and he's like, no, the reason we keep Shabbos is because Hashem said so. And he would suck me into this like every three months while we keep kosher. Like, no, because Hashem said so. He was, he was trying to instill in me this idea that don't be the wise son. The wise son has just as much hubris as the wicked son. Be the simple son. It's why we got the two crowns at Mount Sinai. We just said, we'll do what we hear. So what happened about, I guess, five months ago now was I met with Rabbi Kobe and I just, I knew, I told him after her, her conversion and we got married, it's like, I got to meet with you. Like, I, I, I just know I do because I don't trust myself against my Yetzirah on my own. So I, I met with him and he asked me, it's like, how many times did you dive in with uh, a minion for Shakaris this week? It's like, just Sunday. Oh, the week before that, just Sunday. Like, the last three months, just Sunday. And he was just like, that is unacceptable. I mean, like really stern with me. And I was like, Rabbi, we've been through this, okay? I have a routine. I get up at five so I can learn Torah. Then I got to get a workout in. Otherwise, I won't get it in. And I get, it's good. And it's a mitzvah. Take care of your, your body. It allows me to function better during the day. And it's not like I'm not davening. I'm davening here. I just, it just allows me to get my work day started. And I need to be started at work, you know, because I got to make a living. He's like, we'll get a different job. He goes, be a sacker at Joe V's. It's like, you want me to quit my gig at being the managing director of an investment firm to go sack groceries at Joe V's? And he was just, yes. Are you a servant of Hashem or are you not? And I get what he was saying. It's like, that's, he, he paints extreme, say like, yeah, whatever it takes. And so he just really just drilled into me hard. And that night I got back and I was just like so irritated with him. How dare he talk to me like that? He has no idea. I have to revive my family. Really? I'm going to give up my career? How about everyone who depends on me for Sadaka? It's like, how, how dare he do that? But then I stopped and I said, Hashem, is he right? Or is that my Yetzirah? And one of the great things about Rabbi Yacobian is I knew that it's Rabbi Yacobian. Like I quickly was like, yeah, he's not wrong. Okay. My Yetzirah is not going to convince me that Rabbi Yacobian was wrong. I was wrong. And... I quickly, you know, looked at my schedule. I went from 5 to 4.30. Actually, I had to get a little earlier than that. But I decided to do something that was sort of due to shuva for this. So when I said, okay, I haven't been showing up. So I'm going to show up early. I'm going to start doing Nate's first thing. And I'm going to get up early so I can go to the Kalel and study beforehand. I'm going to study the Shakona Rook and all the laws of davening. And, but what I found, my friends, is that davening first thing in the morning like that with the minion in a place with fellow Jews. It's like the greatest gift in the world. If I just got my ego out of the way and heard what he said, it all worked out. It's like the most special thing. And I, I called Rabbi Yacobi after that. I was like, so grateful. And I told him, I was like, you know, I, I know that when someone to rebuke someone, you have to love them as much as you love them, them yourself. And you have to know they'll be open to it. And I've always said, I will be open to it. Come at me. But I said, you know, I, I learned that if you rebuke someone and they don't follow and they don't change, then their sin becomes your mitzvah. And, but if they do change, then the, the giver of the rebuke gets even greater, Allah And I said, that idea makes me so happy. I can give that to you, you know, for doing that for me. You hit the nail on the head at one point in that story too. It was, it was the pivotal moment for you. You were angry. But you said, I paused and I assessed and you spoke to Hashem. That's exactly the approach I found for myself as well. At times when you think, and, and where, to your point, where was the driving force behind that? The ego. 
that the ego, how dare they speak to me? Do you know who, who I am? And I'm saying that not because Dan Coleman is an amazing guy. <laughs> it's, I, I love him. He's one of my best friends. But, but exactly, that's, that's, the, that's the feeling. I know I go and say that, that's what it's all about. And I think that's a reason why there's so much madness in the world today is because people don't pause. They don't have a conversation with Hashem and they immediately react with whatever's, whatever's there. And that's the playground of the Yetzirah at that, at that point. And that's why as well, too, the understanding and through, through studying Musar as well, the importance of keeping ourselves low, keeping our, doing what we can to keep the ego down. I think I may have mentioned to you, someone had brought up a story. This is from Rabbi Shlomo Wolby's uh, book where he specifically, I love the story. It's like it's in, I have this image in my head uh, based on his story that he was flying back to Israel and they were on a plane. This was like, it had to have been in the 70s, I suppose. And they were flying very, very low to the ground. And he asked the flight attendant, uh, why are we, I noticed we're flying very, this is, this is kind of dangerous. We're flying very low to the ground. The flight, the flight attendant said, well, we're actually avoiding Egyptian radar. And he used that as one of the many examples of the importance of keeping a low profile, about keeping, keeping one's ego in check. And it's a great reminder there, too, about that, because that's the source right there of so much of that to go and realize. And it's hard. Again, it goes, especially as I keep going and saying in the society in which we're living at, where everybody says, look at me. I'm on Facebook. Look, I'm with my look at all my friends. Look at all my look at my vacation. Look at what I'm doing here. And I'm expansion of self. I'm expansion. I'm at the Astros game. I'm with this famous person. I've got this. Look what I ate. I mean, I've, I I can't go and say what I've told you before, what I want to go and respond to people, go and put up pictures of food that they ate. I just have to tell you, though, it, it really, this is, you, you see a theme with everything that we're talking about here, because it really is all interconnected, just like all the wonderful things we're talking about, amuna, tachon, and, 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 and joyfulness, and laughter, and smiling, and happiness, as well on the flip side, the other side of that coin as well, too, the, the issue of... Uh, ego and self-centeredness and uh, the Yetzirah and this sort of playground, as we're saying, for the challenges in our life and how we actually end up responding to that. Both of these things, it's not, I keep going saying, because it really, really is worth saying that it's not easy, but you know, the more that you go through this experience, the more that you practice how you did with, and I, you know, to be honest with you, that was a wonderful gift. I think you would be safe to say that you could even go on, uh, as you're telling the story, it's, it's so is a wonderful learning experience for you, another way for you to connect with Hashem because of what ended up happening with Rabbi Yacobi and because you felt that anger. And then afterwards, you know, you calmed yourself down and you reacted in a different way. Now, I can tell you for myself, I feel great when I'm able to go and distinguish between how I may have been before and how I'm trying to be now because I feel as though it's a sense of accomplishment. And I use that in my Hispotidut when I'm speaking to Hashem alone, when I'm davening, and I will say to Hashem, Hashem, I'm going to make mistakes. I understand that. I'm still going to end up getting angry. I'm going to miss things. And sometimes I won't be able to completely control myself, but I'm trying, but I'm trying. And I can only do this with you. Will you please help me? Will you have mercy on me, please, as I'm moving through this process? And you know what? He does. You know, there's a couple of things come to mind. First, on the Rabbi Jacobian thing, I, I call it a, I got a blessing from Rabbi Jacobian. And I go on, tell people, I've told a few people that, they're like, it's not like the blessing, like, may you have good health. And, you know, but it, it's, you know, if you go back to the story of Yokov giving blessings to his sons, the first three sons were Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. And it's tough rebuke, you know, when there's a lot of commentaries like that, they got the most amazing blessing. Why? Because they knew precisely what to focus on. That's why, you know, having someone, that's why I tell Rabbi Jacobian I love having him uh, around because it takes a lot of love. That's like him being tough is, is like I was saying, that's why I brought up Avraham. It's against his way. He's actually the sweetest guy in the world. But out of his deep love, if you know someone says, I want it, he'll, he'll be there to help you out. And the thing I was telling him too that was so scary is if you look at the reasons why I wasn't going, you were talking about how, as you grow, your Yetzirah becomes stronger, so everything keeps an equilibrium. That's why someone who's religious from birth, they still have challenges. They just have a stronger Yetzirah. My reasons for not daubing with a, a minion was, one, red, it's very holy to daubing where you study. That's one. Two, that to also have words of Torah and daubing the place where you conduct business, it's just almost like lighting an Amuna candle 
that you can smell throughout the day while you're working. And the other thing was that, you know, you're trying to, to come close to Hashem. Are you really just trying to impress other people? Are you trying, you got to be in the shul studying. You got to be there davening around other people. Now, these, of course, were all the reasons are my Yetzirah, which sounds, you know, it's very, it was a very good argument. Like, right, I just study and daven Hashem here in my office. I don't need to be out there trying to impress other people. But that's why I told Rabbi Yikon, I was like, it's so scary. Like it was a good argument. And it's, you're absolutely right. It should be mentioned, and it's worth mentioning exactly, that the Yetzirah is very crafty in its attempt at coming at you because it's not just the overt things like get angry about a situation. It can be to the point of what you're saying as well. You don't need to, you know what, it, you're doing enough. That's a big thing I hear all the time. You're doing enough. Oh, you've, you know what, look, you're, you had a long day. Just, just stay here. You're going to say the same prayers. It's not there. It's the same thing. It's the crafty way to get you to, especially especially as you're advancing. This is the higher level of Pac-Man we're talking about now. The higher you're moving up there, so it becomes it becomes more challenging. I like what you said also with regard to Reuven and Shimon and, 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 and Levi, with regard to when they were being rebuked. Because, of course, and we know, of course, that all of Yaakov Avinu's sons, all of his children were all tzaddikim. And of course, what does it say that their reaction was as they were being rebuked? They didn't. They didn't respond. They didn't. They didn't try to go and protest. We just read about. I think it was last week. It's last week's tour portion when Aaron Hakohen lost his two sons and his response as well when he was rebuked. It says in there that he was quiet. He didn't respond. He didn't respond in anger. He didn't protest. And that's incredible discipline. These are examples we have from our forefathers, of exactly how we should be. And we talk about some really extreme, extreme cases there. Aaron HaKohen is, is one of my favorite figures in, in all of Torah, especially, too, because of his, he, he was so beloved by all of Israel, by all the children of Israel, uh, because he was so much about trying to bring people together all the time. And he was always about peace. There too. And just as just another example here, too, in this particular situation, the level of humility that we hear these examples of him and Moshe Rabbeinu and, and, and Miriam and everyone, but in a situation like this, to lose two sons on a day that was filled with joy, no less. Right. I mean, such a, such a holy day. And he loses two sons and he doesn't respond. So we have examples that we can and we should be emulating. So it's not as though one thing the Torah is never about. It's never a do as I say, not as not as those who've come before you have done. Instead, we should, uh, with the prophets and those that we read and learn from, from the Torah, we see these stories, we learn these examples of exactly how, because they lived it themselves. And these are very extreme examples. To, so to your point, if we feel a personal affront for something, we want to respond and so forth and say, who do they think? Hey, take a moment here to kind of put things into priority. I always like to go and use that word. Sometimes I use it too much, but compartmentalize. That have you know to, to spiritually compartmentalize what what you're feeling and when you're feeling it, it gives a a good understanding then about how to then respond and move forward. Right. And when you're doing that, when you're able to kind of do that, that's when you're able to make real progress and take continued steps. Right, exactly. You sort of you separate yourself from the situation so you can see it objectively. So you're sort of going to a level where you're looking at just intellectually, not and removing the emotion from it. And then you see things much more clearly at that point. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're very, you know, human beings. We're very emotional, very emotional uh, creatures. And that's why it is very interesting, too, when they talk about the course, we need to have, we need to have self-confidence. That's, that's obviously paramount. That's very important in living our day-to-day lives. But to also understand, too, humility and to understand before whom we stand, before whom we exist, who created us and why. And so, again, a lot of that just comes from, from a greater understanding, and through understanding and, and connection comes uh, direction, path, and enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment. You know, as we approach Shavuos, mentioned this a little bit ago, but it, I think it's worth expounding on is, and what Rabbi Jacobian was sort of telling me is that we said, we will do, and we will hear. You know, with regard to the davening, though, he said, Hashem told the sages to instruct us and do not veer from the right or left from what they say. So the idea of davening with a minion, he said, via the proxy of the sages. So, and be the simple son, just, just do. Quit trying to analyze things. 
just do. But I think that's, that's one of the things when I wake up in the morning, I start telling myself when I start talk to Hashem, like, I will do when I will hear. Like, whatever it is, whatever the mitzvah is, whatever the minhag is, whatever it is, need to do it. I don't need to understand it. And, and, the, and that itself, and I brought this up the first night of Pesach, that is a system for humility. The fact that so many mitzvahs don't make any sense whatsoever. Right, which which really, as the years have gone by and the more learning that you do, you're you're absolutely right. We realize we have laws that have been given to us that make perfect sense. Don't murder, don't steal. These things all make sense. There's a lot of laws that we have, though, that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. Even something as important on a daily basis. It's such a huge mitzvah. We're putting on tefillin every day. The importance of this mitzvah. But we're wrapping these black boxes on our arms and our heads, and well, why? Why is this so? Even down to the, to the concept of at times even Shabbos. Sure, from a macro perspective, okay, a day of rest. But then, but if it's a day of rest, why do we have all these rules? Then why can't I just rest the way that I want to? Hey, for me, I enjoy going to the going to the ball game. I enjoy going and and having fun with people and driving in the car. Well, we have the rules here. There are things which which we understand and make sense and for those and for those that don't you have to understand that have this is where we're talking trust all the time that the one who's telling us what to do really knows what's best and if we're unable to understand that's on us that's not on Hashem yeah exactly it's it's acceptance that we are creation with finite intelligence and we have infinite creator and infinite creator and a lot of the pushback is with people trying to who are not observant and looking at us like, what are you guys doing? Is it's, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. So therefore my, I know more than an infinite internal creator, which is, which is problematic. Absolutely. And especially, I mean, especially I think with regard to, to us as some, as people who have gone and, and gone on a spiritual journey and done a lot of learning along the way. Absolutely. We, we know what, we know where we came from. We know what that thinking was. The, it's, so painful to hear in amongst some of our Jewish brothers and sisters who do not do, who believe that the Torah is, God forbid, uh, archaic, or they say that, oh, the Torah is like the Constitution. It's made to be changed. It's a living document that's made to be changed. But what it is, is there's also people who don't understand, unfortunately, the first thing about Torah. They've never taken the time to go and learn it and study it. At first glance, they see, you know, they look at it from a uh, from a macro perspective, and they say, "Well, here's, you know, this is how we're going to make it applicable to today." And because we're going to make it applicable today, we therefore have permission to do whatever we want as well. We're going to make the Torah, just like we're going to make the Jewish faith, go and conform to us. And that's why, and I know I've spoken with many people about this, and people are in shock a lot of times. Unfortunately. The length that even some synagogues go to to have something that's flashy. They're trying. They're focusing on entertainment. They're so desperate to go and just get people to hold people's attention that what they're doing and what they're espousing has nothing at all to do with Torah. And Torah is the foundation of, of Jewish life. Without Torah, what are we? We're nothing. And so it has been, unfortunately, in some circles, has been diluted. Has been diluted so much to where. What are you walking through? What is what is this about? Yeah, it's the ultimate sign of arrogance. But that's why the those synagogues that subscribe to Jewish denominations are really struggling right now. Absolutely. And it's if the decision tree, I've said this a lot on this podcast, if the decision tree, like many people say, is that the Torah was written by men, which is what creates this Jewish denomination idea. If it was written by men who lied and said that the Torah came from Hashem a creator, that means the the origin of the Jewish people is a group of liars. So join the synagogue. Pay your dues now. Come see. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it makes exactly. no sense. Yeah, exactly. What I missed something there. Exactly. I, I don't know how they got that point. You're absolutely right. But people are waking up, thank God, and coming forward. So I think a, a general theme here that we've sort of been discussing is one is it's it's arrogance. You can't grow with arrogance. You got to be open to rebuke. You got to the people. You have the right rabbis in your life, and you got to tell them, "I welcome any rebuke," because most of us rank and file Jews are defenseless against the Yetzirah, who's going to get more and more clever. And to take our Yiddishkeit seriously, but don't take ourselves so seriously, right? You know, and it's interesting too because it it's so simple. Sometimes the simple sayings that we hear, 
get lost in the daily normal vernacular. People say, you hear all the time, someone gets angry, people go and say, hey, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. Let me tell you something, that has, that has tore roots when, when you hear that, because basically it says that when one gets very angry, you should take a inhale, take a deep breath, because to help cool down the heart, the heart's where the Yetzirah goes and, and lives, and by taking the deep breath in and holding it, it, it can help go and has a calming effect on you. Now, again, it's become part of the, of the common vernacular. People say, whoa, take it easy, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. But there's, there's a source for this. And so just to, that's what it is, is. So this is, you can see the beauty of, of, of Torah and everything we're looking to do in just even, even the simple things we do every day. And it can give you a moment of clarity amongst a cloud of anger and disdain. It's amazing how, how that can happen, because I know that's something else I put into practice. If I feel that angry for whatever reason, or if I feel slighted, or by pausing and taking a deep breath and analyzing the situation and compartmentalizing, and I'm saying it again, where everything is to be able to go and everything we're talking about, go, go through the checklist, Hashem, I know everything that happens is, 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 uh, is a result of you, putting my ego in check, understanding everything comes from Hashem. I start going down there, and by going down the good checklist in my mind, I find a sense of calmness there, and by doing so, it's a connection with the Creator and provides a clarity and direction that, without doing so, it's scary to think how I might end up reacting, because I, in the past, uh, and as a lot of people are, can be very impulsive, uh, and I really that's something I've really been able to work on as a result of this adjusted way of thinking and approaching based on how we're supposed to approach situations. Amazing. It's the horse and rider. We're, we're in a shama in a physical body. Right. It's our job to gra- grab the reins and, and elevate it. We are in a shamas with bodies. We are not bodies with souls. Right, exactly. Beautiful, Scott. Thank you so much for coming on the, the program, on the show. I appreciate your insights. As always, always, again, the spiritual athlete, the spiritual swim buddy. I think you coined that one in the last... Spiritual swim buddy. Hashem, Hashem's going to call out say, where's your spiritual swim buddy? So you and I need to link up there, buddy. <laughs> and now the Cobra, the Holy Cobra. All right, beautiful. Thank you, Scott. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.